0: Hey, welcome back to What We Started EDM, where we speak with producers, DJs, labels, managers, really anyone in the EDM industry that can help us learn and grow. Today, we speak with Adam Gualti producer slash DJ that experienced a lot of success early in his career, including DJ gigs opening for top artists such as Martin Garrix, DJing a festival, and even having an official remix for Lost Kings. In this episode, we talk about his exciting journey from beginner to professional. You do not want to miss this episode. Cool, I'm here with Adam. And I want to get started by learning about your, your background and how you got started in music in the first place. Sure.
1: Uh, so background wise, originally from Long Island, New York, um, went to Maryland, near to Maryland for college. And production wise, I started back in 2016 as senior of high school. Um, we had to do like a senior year project or a senior year experience of, of something that you're interested in. So it was either you go in and you go into an industry internship that you're, that you're definitely interested in, or you can do some sort of project. Um, at the time, I was in band since I'm in elementary school, and one of my good friends was a producer, and he was always showing me things he was working on or, or stuff that you know he was, he was remixing and inspired me to then do my senior project with my, my band teacher. And I made a remix. My first ever remix was for... Ro- my first official remix was for Roses, which is actually the singer on Roses by the Chainsmokers. So that was my first remix. Um, that was official. Before that, I did a bunch of different like bootleg remixes. That I threw up on SoundCloud, but are no longer there. <laughs> um, and yeah, from, from 2016 and even to this day is... They've been producing, and the DJ world was actually picked up in Maryland. It was was, uh, first, what was it like? It was freshman year, and you know you had to take like also UNIV 100, which is like that entry level. Like every every freshman has to take it, and the professor is like, "All right, today you gotta go to the um, fair on McKeldin Mall, and just show up and maybe put your name down for for one or two clubs," and i dreaded that i was like oh, i really don't want to go to this so i was talking to my friend at the time and i was like all right like we're walking towards there and i said if there's one club that i'd be interested in it'd be something music related like a production class because i was doing it every single day um and even like not going out because i was producing in my dorm room um so if it's music related or something with DJing, because i should have prefaced with this that the night before I was talking to my mom saying I really wanted to get into DJing. And she was like, How much does it cost? Because music always was really expensive with all the plugins or with the software. I was like, I don't know, like a thousand bucks. Because like I looked like the cheapest controller or whatever, one of the cheaper controllers. And she said, stick to production. And then fast forward, X tag, go to the, the fair. And the very first person that approached me was Shannon Cody Wright. Um he was, the guy was like, yo, are you interested in learning to produce or DJ? And, <laughs> no, no, I kid you not, dude. I kid you not. I, I, I think Cody probably remembers the same day also, and I was like, let's do it. Like, I'm so down. And I signed up. It was called Tarabin Beats um, mm, Club. Yes. I think I don't know if you heard of it. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, dude, there was like all the DJ meetings. I think it was like Thursday nights or... Whatever night that everyone was going out as a freshman, like to to bench or to to turf or to one of the on like the nearby bars or varsity parties, I was going to South Campus Dining Hall right above to to DJ for I don't know three hours, two hours, and yeah. Then from there on, I mean, I fell in love with the DJing side also, and literally went every single day of house. I remember they had like office hours. After my Friday philosophy class, I was going over there to DJ. And yeah, then I just kept on with it. I met a person through my fraternity, Zach, who then managed me at the time, and he got a job at um, at Club Glow and whatnot as like promotion and, and, and miscellaneous things over there, which then gave me the opportunity to like start gigging at Echo Stage and Soundjack. And from there on it was it was kind of uh yeah it was all good and <laughs> just kept
0: doing it yeah man how did you get that first show at a club or a sound checker or echo stage or wherever yeah
1: yeah so the first show actually I remember was for opening justin caruso for a fuck cancer night um at um at sound and i got that one was so zach like i was saying my manager was working with Club Go at the time, and the booking agent or the person that would book all the talent for for sounds for soundcheck and echo was like, um, yeah, have have your guy send in a mix or something like that, like see if you like actually DJ. So I remember I was sophomore at the time, and I was, um, practicing on my own controller that I ended up buying, and then I just recorded a set. And I sent it over to Zach, who then sent it over to her, and she was like, "Damn, like he can mix." Or like I forgot what she said exactly, but she was impressed, which was, which was cool. Um, and yeah, I got. She was like, "Sure, like let's book him for the or like ten to eleven slot right before Justin." And then, um, and yeah, that was that was how I got that first one.
0: And it's tight, man. Was it eight or was it just for experience?
1: <sighs> I can't remember if that first show was paid. Um. I want to say I think it was because I actually did always end up getting paid from these shows, which is like the funny part, because I was like, in the beginning, I was playing like the door opening slot or like the, you know, the, I mean, yeah, the, that was mostly the slots I played in the beginning it was like, you know, doors open at nine, like there's maybe three people in the crowd and that was my slot. Um, But yeah, I think I, I mean, always only got paid. It was like 200 bucks, which is awesome because I was like a broke college student. and the income was like, all right, this works.
0: Yeah, man. And then for people listening that don't know, Echo Stage or Club Glow owns uh, pretty much every EDM venue in the DC area. Uh, mm-hmm. So you got like this huge connection, and I'm assuming you got a lot more shows after that. Yeah. I mean, I remember. So I played
1: that first Caruso show um, at Soundcheck. And then I actually think that the second show she booked before was for Dada Life at Echo Stage. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like you said, Echo Stage is, I mean, voted top clubs in the world. I mean, in the States, I think it's like top five or something like, something insane. And for someone that had like zero to no experience of actually playing any shows or, you know, actually playing on a CDJ for that long or, you know, reading a room of, you know, you know, power of many people and like knowing what songs to play. It was like so frightening because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I um I didn't have that experience of, like, playing shows. I mean, I learned it as I went, but damn, bro, like, I shit my pants half of the time before a set.
0: <laughs> yeah. What was that like, man? Uh, Pretty much going to, like, zero to, to nothing, that you're performing in front of all these people. It was, like, it was so, like, quick
1: where I had to just learn it as I was going. I remember, like, in the beginning when I was playing sets, like, I would watch these YouTube videos of like laid back Luke or I don't know like Carl Cox or like so, some some DJ that I was, you know, inspired by a lot of laid back Luke honestly, because mm-hmm. my opinion, I mean he's such an authentic DJ today, where he's like, you know, not grabbing the mic saying three, two, one jump every second, or yeah. he's um, you know, mixing on the fly and not having a you know pre decided set. So in the beginning, I was more confined to that have have these songs and you're gonna play it in this order. And it really like bit me in the ass because those times where those people weren't liking the 30 songs I chose for that one hour set kind of made me like realize like, Oh crap. Like I can't do that because then it's going to suck. So, and then I remember at one point I downloaded like a thousand songs, which took me, you know, I don't know how long it freaking took me, but then I started DJing more of the fact like a laid back Luke. So like I never had a set list to this day. I mean, I haven't DJed in a while, but, You know, from my last show, I never had a set list. It's kind of just like, here's my USB of a thousand songs and just go. (laughs) So it's kind of like learning every single step of the way of like what kind of worked, what doesn't work, like what what definitely not to do, (laughs) what to do. And yeah, just like a learning experience, just like anything else.
0: That's so exciting. And you pretty much would just read the room, get instant feedback on what you're playing, and then go from there yeah dude
1: honestly it was like looking back on it I mean yeah I never I never really had many I I had like folders so I guess you can call that like some sort of like pre-decided set list but I never actually played it in that order that I had the songs in the folder you know I have like I remember when I played um I played Firefly down down in Delaware that was like my first headlining um Headlining Festival, which is like crazy. Um and I remember I just had like a folder of hundred songs. And my set was like I think forty five minutes or something like that, or an hour. And I kind of just grabbed them as I went. I was like, all right, like let's try playing this remix after this mashup or you know, see if this works. <laughs> Some of them didn't work. <laughs> and it was yeah.
0: That's fun, man. It's so different than how a lot of DJs do it. Like you said, a lot of them really just have pretty much of a pre recorded set already. And yeah. Yeah. You, I which which everyone the, isn't.
1: No, there's, like, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, people like, some performers, you know, have that pre decided set list because it's like already they're playing new IDs or they're playing some new, you know, mashups that they put together and like they know the flow of it. And like they're, you know, they're huge artists like Martin Garris. Like he's playing a predefined set list. That's so fine because he's Martin Garrix and, you know. You can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like different styles of it.
0: Definitely. And then you can stick it up with his visuals and everything. There's benefits to both sides.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're when you're a touring artist like I like Garrix. again. I played I played one show with him actually. I played one opening set. Um that was my senior year of high school I remember. And uh, senior of high school, senior year of college. And I remember going on stage and there was like the big Garrix... Plus or X, whatever his logo is, right behind me. And then actually when I got off stage. That was like one of my favorite sets I ever played. He actually came up to me like he dapped me up and said like, awesome job, dude. And because it was so dark backstage like, and he was wearing a hoodie, I didn't realize it was him for a second. And, you know, I had like an adrenaline rush from when I was playing because you know, like I had the set list. So I'm just going as I, you know, as I fly. And, you know, the people were really, really digging it. So I was like, oh, like, thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate it. And he pulled back his foot a little bit. I was like, holy shit. Like, you're Garrick. Like, what's up, dude? <laughs> and it was uh, it was a really cool experience. I mean, he's such a genuine guy. And yeah. for, you know, one of the top producers slash DJs in the world to
0: say that to you, I was like, geez. Yeah, what the heck? That's so cool, man. Uh, I want to talk about your production as well. You uh-huh. be started learning production senior year of high school, right? For that figure yeah. project? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you know, I'm assuming oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead yeah,
0: first I, I'm assuming at first you weren't very good, right? It took you some time to figure it out, dude, oh my God, the first songs I wish
1: I had my other computer with me. I should have, I have my work laptop right now, but my my um music laptop with like all my demos or all my remixes I like I don't know where it like once came up recently like I heard one of my old remixes and I was like, holy shit like that is terrible. Like, but it's, it's, it tells like a story. I mean, when I first started, I was like so into Kaigo and I mean, Matoma and, and, um, you know, all these like different like tropical house producers. Cause like tropical house at the time was like really growing and, and, um, I was so inspired by it. So a lot of my remixes in the, in the beginning days were like all these tropical house infused, um, mixes. And I was like, when I listened to it today, I was like, what the hell was I doing? honestly half of the time what I did when I started I remember I did a um one of my first remixes I did was for a song called Smoke Filled Room by Mako or Mako however you pronounce it and I remember I did a Tropical House remix to it and what I did was I added some tambourines some like shakers and like some like marimba sounds and then for the drop which is always like the biggest thing in EDM music the drop was the actual drop of the song slowed down with, like, some percussion elements. <laughs> and I um I classified that as my remix. And people actually, like, people really liked it. And I was like, damn, you like this? At the time, it was awesome. And I looked them back and I was like, maybe they're just being nice to me. You
0: never know. I think that's also something that a lot of producers... Uh, overthink about is like the production quality of a song when really you could put out something that d- doesn't sound good or professional to you and people really will resonate with it still
1: oh yeah big time I mean a lot of the all the early day remixes were you know I mean I had I had music background my entire life I was played piano since I was I don't know maybe six or seven and my dad was a drummer and my sister is a you know an amazing vocalist She she's awesome you know she's awesome and I was always like surrounded by like music in my life and for the production element of things it was like unlocking the whole new side of like my music ability because I always was I'm not trying to sound like self-centered I was always talented at piano and like I was always in I was in jazz band I was in you know uh, percussion in throughout elementary school to high school so I graduated And, you know, it was always like something that came like kind of easy. You know, some people have sports come really easy to them. Music always came very easy to me. So when I got into production, the biggest hurdle for me was really like learning how to get everything from my head into a computer software. So that was like a huge learning curve because I had the ability to be like, all right, I want to play like these chords on the piano. I know these are going to work. They're going to sound good. Um, But now how do I get it to sound like I want it to sound? Because I want to just be like a piano. So then I got into the to the sense and silent and serum and massive and every single you know toy that I wanted to buy, I bought one. Like then you just learn it as you go, and YouTube was like my savior. <laughs> I spent uh, I spent legit hours on on YouTube.
0: You can ask someone else from YouTube. Oh,
1: go ahead. Uh, I, have phone, I have a phone call. I actually have to pick up. Can I go on mute? For-
0: Cool. Yeah. And we were talking about your production and you said at first, it wasn't the best. How did you get from like down here up to, up to here? We are releasing this professional sounding music. Like how, like how long it took me or like how. All how the it took me- you in, and how did you do it?
1: So it honestly, it's still even a work in progress to be honest with you, man. Like the, the earlier sounding stuff obviously were, were far different than what I have today, Um, but it was kind of just evolution of, you know, new sounds or new songs that I've, like, really vibing with or anything that, you know, I drew inspiration from. So, throughout the years, I, like, kind of shifted away from that Tropical House sound that I started with when I was a senior in high school to then kind of going into, like, my new stuff of, like, indie. I mean, I always wanted to sing, like my entire life, I was wanted to be in a band and I was wanting to be like the lead singer. Um, and I was able to sing, not well, or not to this point where I would want to put it out. So when it was COVID, Zach, who was my manager at the time, said, dude, I have this friend from high school that's like a vocalist and she's doing lessons. Um, you should, you should try to take a couple, like you're sitting at home, like what else do you have to do? So I was like, all right, I had this like cool agreement with her. It was like, she wanted to learn how to produce. So like I would teach her everything I knew for in return, she would teach me how to sing. And it was like first 30 minutes was me singing. And then like half uh, the second half of 30 minutes was, was um, the teaching how to produce. And honestly, it was just over time, you pick up different techniques and you learn different things, different sounds like. You know what this one knob does on a synthesizer you know what this one plug-in does to change the sound of you know a, a guitar coming in um it's just picking up over the years and uh a lot of youtube I'm basically a lot of youtube
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah man when did you get to the point where you were actually like releasing music it sounds like that was pretty early on right you started releasing stuff
1: yeah dude i mean when i was i was releasing pretty much everything i made when i was in high school Mm -hmm. that roses remix was my first um official release which is still on my spotify so if you want your ears to bleed after you hang up or anyone let's go listen to this go listen to the song and you'll hear (laughs) how terrible it is um but it's kind of uh it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of just like over the time, it, it, it changes. And, you know, it's uh, more practice, like anything, you know, you get better with practice. That's the one thing for production. I mean, with, with over time and practice, you will definitely get better.
0: Definitely, Matt. How did you get that official remix in the first place with Roses? I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Let me do something real quick. I'm sorry. Huh.
1: Oh, so the official remix I'm
0: just going to move my rider real quick. Here, is this better? This may all? be my one
1: Yeah, that's, right, that's better
0: Okay, cool Yeah, how did you land that official remix with Roses? Did you just reach out to them? Yeah, so
1: I literally, what I did uh, when I started was I would go through SoundCloud and go through, like, peoples of peoples of peoples of peoples, like, songs. And I remember I would, like, my criteria would be, like, okay, does this song start in the range of, like, 100 to 100 10 bpn or something like that is it like a major key like this and that and i would like decide down to a couple of songs which one i would want to like research and see if i could find some sort of management contact and i sent out a bunch of emails And i remember the roses email i sent to his name was paul Menzel, and i'm pretty sure that's her brother or her somewhere one of her family members that also manages her so i emailed him i was like hey paul my name is adam cody from Long island um I, remember, I literally remember the email to this day. I was like, I have so many ideas in my head that I would love to implement in this track. Like, I would totally love to to remix it for you guys um, and see where it goes. And then I didn't hear back for like a couple of days. And then I heard back and he was like, you're like, sure thing, Adam, I'm like here are the stems. And I was like, that was actually the first person I got like official stems from because all the other times was, I would just find a, a studio acapella on YouTube, like I was saying that like, that smoke filled the room remix. Um, I just like ripped it off YouTube, the acapella, and she or he was the first person that was like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Here are the pack, like here's the pack of all the stems of the song, her vocals, like her her synths, her layers." And I was like, "Whoa, like this is like this is like her song," and like I have it. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I I remember I had it. And I spent hours on it, literally like hours on it. I was like locked in my room. My Mom was like, you haven't left your bedroom for hours. Um, And yeah, I made it. I sent it over to them. And then I remember it was actually coming to my senior year graduation. And I got an email from him saying, this is awesome. Like, can we make this official? And dude, I kid you not, I was like, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is like, I started making music a couple of months ago and I'm getting my first official release on Spotify.
0: Dude, that, yeah. I thought you really like just jumped in and from the yeah. start, you were were doing big things.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, that was, you know, that was lucky as hell that <laughs> I just came across that that person, that song, and I was like, all right, let me try it. And you know, I did have like my fair share of remixes beforehand that that I made, and I just threw up on spot on on um on SoundCloud, and you know went nowhere. And honestly, I think other than that one, I think I maybe had like two more official releases in my lifetime. One of them being for Lost King's song, um, which had like a whole story too, which was really cool. And then the other one was for like uh another artist's I think his name was like Ekla or something like that I I remember I made the remix because Zach like had a contact or someone that reached out to him saying if I would be interested in doing it and I was like yeah sure so I did it gave it over to them and there's like so much like not red tape but there's like so many people involved in these things that once you send over the remix to whoever it's going to it's kind of like a lot of waiting and I waited I think over a year and then like we got an email saying like it's coming out and it's it's out. It's on my Spotify, I think. And it's, like, fine. <laughs> I think over the time, I was like, I don't like any of these songs.
0: Yeah, dude. It, waiting a whole year for a song to be released. I feel like after a year, your style changes and you grow as an artist. And it's just like, do I even want this to come out anymore? Yeah. I mean, you're, that's right on. I mean,
1: I remember I released it. Or, I, I mean, I produced it at the time. And I was like, this is a cool sounding remix. Um, and then when it came out you know like you said my style I guess changed a little bit or like my, my ideas changed and like that style was kind of out of the door for me I was like eh I don't like the sound like I mixed it terribly like this kick can be replaced
0: I yeah, that's how. I it. this Lost name story though
1: oh yeah so so when I was a sophomore in college I remember, how did this, I'm trying to remember the story of how it came about with the, how I found the song, but maybe Zach sent it to me or, or I found it. And a lot of the time how Zach and I worked was like, I'd, I'd either send a song to Zach and I'd be like, dude, this song's awesome. Can you get the stems for me? Cause now at this point, you know, I was like all oh, fancy and whatnot. I had, you know, a corporate manager, which was awesome. I mean, Zach's the best. So he would reach out to these, to these people to their manage- management and it would come off a little bit more professional, you know, it'd be like, Oh, I managed this artist, Adam Kahati. Um, you know, they didn't have to know that we were like best friends and <laughs> we went to school together. Um, and he would work some magic and he would literally get these stems. So whatever we hit up lost Kings. Um, and Zach reached out and we got the stems and, and where I made the remix and dude, to this day, that's my favorite thing that I've made for remix wise like it was so it was so like advanced for me at the time I, I remember that i was like this is like a cool sounding remix that's like it hits what it drops it has like good chordal elements like all these different things i just i just really i just really liked it so i sent it to zach sorry and zach was like dude this is fucking sick i remember it and he was like dude this is the song that you will hear at like a festival or something like that and i was like listen if you see that like i hope it's true and i really hope it's going to be an official release because i thought that was a great display of my work and even to this day like i think it's an awesome display um and that i rarely say that my older stuff um whatever we sent it over to lost kings and i remember we got the email saying sorry we sold the the pack already for the official releases like We'll give you this as like a SoundCloud release and they won't get taken down. I was like so devastated. I was like literally so pissed because Zach was gassing it up. I was gassing it up. And I was like, this is awesome. This is a great remix. Whatever. Didn't go didn't go official. A couple other songs on the pack went official. I, I liked them all. Like they're, It was still a good pack. And then I remember I was actually in South Campus Dining Hall and I was eating lunch and I got a DM tag or something came up in my DMs or I got tagged saying Adam Kahani music. I was like, oh, like, what is this? So I clicked on it and it was Lost Kings playing my remix at, you guessed it, a fucking festival. Dude. And I literally, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. because, like, this is like the first time, like something that happened to me. And Zach, I hit up Zach. I was like, dude, like, dude, like, look at this. Like, look at this video. And I kid you not, it was like the drop pyro going on, like the fire, like the whole thing. He literally called it. And I was like, damn, like, and they would go official. So whatever. I think I DM them and I said, guys, like, thank you so much for playing it. Like, I'm so happy you guys like it. And then they responded back and, and Nick and Rob were the Lost Kings guys, they're awesome. And they're like, dude, we love this remix. Like we, we play it all the time. And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I was literally like, I was like, I made this in my childhood bedroom in New York. Um, actually, so I didn't even have like two speakers, like two, um, two, um, studio monitors at the time. I only bought one cause I was like, I don't need two. So I only bought one of them and I was making a song basically like mono, I guess. So if I panned anything, I wouldn't get it. I but whatever. So that's, that's the point. Um, I remember I was like, holy crap, like they're playing this song and it was made in my bedroom. Then, you know, I think that was like two weeks before this festival in Maryland called um, What was it called? What was it called? Um, Moonrise? No, it wasn't Moonrise. It was something else that it was like a smaller festival and they're actually one of the artists playing. Um, and I didn't get, there was like a, a DJ contest to be one of the openers. I didn't win it, but I still went and i dm them saying like i'll be at the festival I'd love to meet you guys and they were super receptive to it. like dude please i like, would love to meet you fast forward those two weeks get over to the festival and right on i met them so i like go towards like the backstage area and like met them i'm like what's up guys and, like i am just adam Kahati, and like dude like oh my god like we like love your remix like thank you so much for making it like all this stuff and i was like this is like the this is awesome like i can't believe this is happening and then they said dude we feel so bad that this one wasn't official because we really wanted to be official take drunk as hell which was like their latest single at the time and um and um and please, whatever you do with it, just do the same thing you did. Do the same magic, and we're releasing it official no matter what, whether we like it or we hate it. So I, I got the stems to the song, you know, rightfully so, Like maybe like two days later, and made the remix, and it's official to this day. I mean, it's called Drunk As Hell, and I mean, I like it. I still like the other one better. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of like the guy's way to say, like, um, you know, thank you for... uh you know, thank you for doing a great job on the other one. Here's here's this one. And uh you, and yeah, to this day they still they still play the song. I still get tagged in posts when they play it at I mean, they played it at like closing out at Ultra. They played it at like I don't think they played tomorrow, and maybe they did, but everywhere they're playing when we were young, my song is literally part of it. Like they they it's half and half. And to finish the story, at that festival they brought me on stage <laughs> to I- around with them and they played it but that's on YouTube or something I remember so I'll
0: yeah do that. that's the lost thing story that's such a good story that's always fun
1: oh yeah it was, it was awesome I mean it was just like all these things like looking back on it you know from, from me just starting to produce in my bedroom in senior high school to like you know them doing that and then playing abroad in Florence when I studied abroad and then playing in Barcelona and then you know playing in Firefly in Delaware and you know all the things that I've done, and I was like, damn, you know, who would have
0: thought? <laughs> yeah. And so young too, man. So young.
1: Yeah, I just turned 25 in August. Um and now I mean like the new phase of music is kind of like it's taken so long, and you know, life gets in the way, and you know, you graduate from college and you get a real job, and then you work, and you gotta make money, and you know, you get all these different things in your life that then the course of like your day to day is so different.
0: Yeah man. I'm sure it's a lot harder to find time for music now that you have like a career outside of music, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I graduated, you know, you and I, we both graduated. Uh you're you're 2020, right? Twenty
0: twenty, yeah.
1: Yeah. So so, you know, we graduated, got into COVID, and that time I had all the time in the world to make music and it was like We didn't do anything else, so the only thing I was doing was sitting in my room playing or just producing music. But, you know, as good as that sounds, the problem was I wasn't experiencing anything in, like, life. (laughs) You know, like, it was just every single day I was sitting in lockdown, so music was honestly becoming a chore. I was not enjoying it. I was like, this isn't fun. Can't leave my house. Like, I'm Like, I don't want to produce. So I would stop for a little bit. And then I'd be like, oh, something's missing. Like, I need to be producing because throughout high school, I mean, throughout senior high school, throughout college, I go to school, come back, make music, go out, whatever it was, and repeat. So, then I got a job in August of 2020, and I was commuting every single day into the city, even with COVID. It was like, you know, no work from home, and I would get home, and I was exhausted, (laughs) and I was like oh, I don't really feel like producing like I'd go produce I'd get tired of what I was making I would be like ah I give up and then honestly for a while it was kind of just like that cyclical pattern I was just eh I start something it's sounding cool but I'm not loving it and it was honestly just hard to juggle with until I like got into a groove again like I kind of got into a stride of making stuff I liked and um and yeah, until until then, I got out of like I always had funks so of like this is getting boring, and then something would have to hit me
0: for like something new. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, how is there anything that you found that helps though with that? Because it, you are right, you get home from working, you're just exhausted, and then maybe like the last thing you want to do is then spend your time trying to make music.
1: Yeah. Um, so like what will help? Yeah. Honestly, I think it was like stepping away from it for a while kind of made me realize I was like oh damn like you know I do love this stuff and like you know whether it's for you know the future of you know being this world around DJ producer guy touring the world or just like you know making music for the fun of it which is you know essentially what I always do it for is because I just like doing it um you know stepping away from it was always like the biggest cure the best um the best way to kind of get back into it because after like not having it in my life for so long or like not having it in my life for like you know sometimes I'd be like two three weeks like sometimes a month or two and then I'd be like damn like I'm itching to do something creative or like get some ideas on you know on a page and see what I make and you know then there was I mean sometimes it would come out and I remember that that idea that came out was actually I'm All Right, which is one of my songs that I released back in September of last year. Um, I was in, It was a COVID time. I was like really not liking anything I was making. And then I took some time off. I hit up this really talented artist, Maria Lynn. Um, and we Zoom, feast, or we Zoom sessioned. And we wrote the song. I had like this demo idea that I started one night. And I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And I linked with her on Zoom. And we we wrote the song and then it came out last year. And that was like a long process. Um, you know, different drafts, different ideas, this and that. And then that one came out in September.
0: Yeah, man. So you are continuing to make music and put it out, even though you are also experiencing like this career and a lot of responsibilities that maybe type take priority over music sometimes. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, just, you know, this past this past September, also, well, I didn't realize that it was September and September released. Um, I released my first ever song that I'm singing on uh, called Not Enough for You. Um, and that one came out in September. And that one was like that indie vibe that I've loved since junior year of college, senior year of college, maybe. Um, I always wanted to like change out the elements of, you know, a synthesizer or something electronic and something that wasn't authentic to me and put in those like band sounding elements like I told you earlier it was like I always wanted to be in a band so you know the sound of a acoustic kick or an acoustic snare drum and like you know a, a hi-hat open hi-hat um, were elements I always wanted to include and in my earlier stuff it wasn't really a fit because I wasn't going to be making like a EDM 128 bpm song with like Uh, acoustic kick and snare it just didn't sound right but now it's like all the songs start with guitar and pretty much all the elements are almost all guitar and like bass and drums and my voice of course I'll add in some like synth like atmospheric pads and whatnot in there but a lot of the you know root elements are all like acoustic instruments and it's uh, all the new stuff too I mean I have like a bunch of songs that are actually done now um, with me singing. I, I produced it with a, with a good friend of mine and we made some like really cool stuff and Not Enough For You was like the first one that we that we put out. And now I think I have like three or four more that are pretty much almost all wrapped up and uh, you know ready to come out.
0: That's exciting, so, man. And you're really just producing what excites you, like what you want to produce.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, this, this new batch of music of, you know, Not Enough for You Being, the first one, and then you know, up, um, um, you know, all the new ones are all more more indie and, like, just, I don't know, just way, just way more authentic to what I want to be making now. It's not really going to be, like, my old stuff. So, you know, I'm Alright was kind of like that last, you know, one where there's a bigger drop and there's, like, a bigger EDM chorus idea all the new stuff is, like, more, I don't know, diverted from that.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. That's exciting, though. You grow, and your music grows with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, the lyrics are, are in my opinion, not cheesy. I mean, you know, I, I always wanted songs to, you know, have, like, legitimate storytelling elements or, you know, more, uh, you know, lyrical ideas that resonate with people. And not that my older self didn't, but... It was kind of like, it wasn't written through my eyes. It was kind of written with someone else and like I would provide ideas for it and we would kind of just like meet the story. Now, a lot of the new stuff that's written is like, not necessarily like my exact day to day life, but it's kind of like, oh, I experienced one little thing that then I could amplify with, you know, these ideas, but it's like still through my eyes, which is like, cool. And now it's just like, I don't know. I just like how the lyrics sound and like they just sound more sound more mature.
0: Yeah. It's more who you are, like now especially, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Can you talk about your workflow? Like how do you go about making music?
1: Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time it will be, um, I'm like really like a guy who gets an idea from a song. Like for example, I've been, bumping nonstop these days holly humberstone she's like this british singer songwriter and her lyrics one are amazing and two her voice is amazing and her production i don't i don't think she produces it but you know whoever she produces with and whoever she works with are so talented and i usually sit down i listen to a new album you know whether it's her whether it's you know another artist or whoever it is and i'll be like okay that's like a vibe I really want to chase or like, that's something I really want to incorporate. So, you know, just this past week when I was in the city, I was listening to Holly's new album and should a bunch of awesome records on there that were like super, super indie and like, not super indie, but like the vibe that I like. And I grabbed my guitar and then I sat at my desk and I made something that was like, in my opinion, freaking awesome. So like, I usually a lot of time listen to songs get some inspiration and then from there like i'm not gonna take the exact idea but like i'll work off that and i'll be like okay like i want to do something similar to that and then kind of see where that takes me and then for hours i'll sit down and i'll just you know work on one chord progression until it sounds the right way
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's... yeah yeah but like what you said earlier towards the start of the interview that the baseline like the chords and the song structure, like, the, the, the those little elements matter the most out of everything. You can't really make that song better. So-
1: yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's really at the root of it, just like, I remember, you know, as everyone says, like, less is more. And, you know, from the earlier days, like, we were talking about earlier, like, the earlier days of production and, like, the, like the more recent days of production, that ideology is like, really stuck with me. Because in the past, I would be running like ten layers of sense for a core, for a drop in an EDM song. Because I thought that ten uh, ten synthesizers are gonna beef this thing up. When in reality today, not enough for you, I think maybe have like 10 layers in total. And yeah, and it was just like night and day when when we were making Not Enough for you and I was like, there's like there's like nothing in this thing it's just like my voice and like a couple elements and like each of these elements have its own specific sector that they're working on. And like the only, their own thing that they're doing. Um, but that's it. It's literally as less as more, And, and, and that was like, uh, a, a big thing.
0: You know? And it still sounds big and full and professional. Just with less. Yeah.
1: That's it. It's just like, I mean, a lot of YouTube tutorials will tell you the same thing. and, it's really, really, really important that, you know, whatever that one layer is doing, it, that, that layer serves a purpose to the song. So, you know, whether it's like a small little melody or whether it's like a power chord or whether it's like the line of that power chord you're playing, all of those things were like layered together and, you know, you'll see a big difference.
0: Amen. Rather than just adding stuff, just to add it. It needs to have a purpose.
1: Yeah exactly and i think actually like i think maybe i did like a, a like a thing on my instagram like on a reel or a tiktok and i was like look what happens like when i put these three elements together and like the coolest part is that you could add something that's not even sounding good but like you put it together and it sounds good somehow like half of the half of the half of the layers and not enough for you um like they're like actually like if you soloed all the stems, like they don't sound good like, a lot of them actually sound off, like, not even in... I don't think, like, I tuned the guitar when I did it. And somehow somehow it works. I don't know how but it works.
0: Awesome, man. You also work with other artists to create songs. What does that process look like, like, laughing?
1: Um, you know, it's... I mean, I love it. A lot of the earlier days stuff, it was, you know working with singer-songwriters because, one, I didn't sing, two, I didn't really, like, write well, and, you know, working with another person opens up a whole nother door of, you know, ideas. So a lot of times, you know, for example, like, I used Maria as an example. Like, she had so many, like, lyrical ideas in that song or she had so many, like, mel- like melodical ideas that, you know, that I couldn't do. And I was, like, my brain is more function functioning towards, like, the elements, so, like, the production and, like, the... the- the sound of these songs and like how they go. But then she came in with like, you know, these lyrical ideas and these melodic ideas that kinda of complemented it. So it's kind of like really special when you find another person you work really well with and you just throw all these ideas to the wall. And the best ones will stick and it's it's cool. It's a fun experience.
0: Yeah man. And I'm assuming you learn a lot from working with other people too, right?
1: Oh yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, the, the recent guy I worked with his name is Musa. Um, and he's got his own production. He's got, he's got his own, uh, his own project and you know, right there. And then I learned a ton of stuff for, you know, vocal production or even guitar production and all these different things. Um, so the guy, Justin that I've known for, for years now, he was actually like the sound engineer that cut my whole EP, my first one, um, mixed it all, mastered everything. And and even to this day, like, we, you know, still work on some stuff here and there. And I pick his brain all the time. You know, I mean, whether it's production stuff or whether it's uh, engineering stuff. Um, you know, I, I lean on those people for its more knowledge, honestly. Like, I don't know everything and not even close. And uh, you'll just keep on learning if you just keep asking more questions to other people.
0: Definitely, man. How did you meet these people in the first place?
1: So, Justin... I actually met the first song that i cut with him was fall into place on my ep with jess mealman and we cut that whole song in two hours because i was like I, I remember so we got to the brewery which is a studio in brooklyn and i remember like they gave you a list of the engineers that work there and i was like i'm gonna go with this guy <laughs> Like, I didn't know anything. I was just kind of like, I didn't ask anyone. Like, I was kind of like, all right, like, this guy looks cool. Like, I feel like he'll be good at this stuff. And it was luck, and I met up with him. We cut the whole song in two hours. And, yeah. And then from that day, I mean, like, I remember he, like, just really, really liked my sound. And he really liked what I was making. We just kept talking. And, yeah, we became very good friends. And then from there on, I mean, you know, we we cut a lot of stuff together. He he helped me produce some stuff. Like even I'm all right. I remember we went to the studio and we we did all together. Um, and he helped me produce. And yeah, just from that day.
0: Yeah, man. And the vocalists that you know, how did you meet them as well? So a lot of the vocalists and songwriters
1: was through Insta. Honestly, I always like DM them. Like Maria, I DM'd on Instagram and I was just like, yo, like, love your sound, would, would love to work together. And I cannot tell you the amount of DMs I've sent like that to people to try to work with them. Um, and some of them answered, some of them didn't, some of them did saying no thanks. You know, I'm working on my own stuff. And it was really just like, I don't know, it's just like that, just reaching out and just putting yourself out there.
0: Yes, man. And I think a lot of people maybe assume that it's not going to go anywhere, but you never know until you you actually try.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's the worst thing to say no or, like, they don't answer you. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Like, you're not going to know if you don't try it. So that was, like, the the idea I lived by for when I would send out a DM or when I would send out a demo pack and be like, all right, like, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe it's going to be the next person for me to make a hit. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Legit, man. And then that's exactly how you got the remix for Roses. That's how you met Lost Kings. That's Mm -hmm. how I'm sure you got a lot of movement in your career and a lot of just positive experiences just from reaching out with people. Dude, it's like, it's it's literally
1: how it started. (laughs) Pretty much everything. It was just like a cold DM, cold email by either myself or by Zach. And it takes you places. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's powerful. It's powerful.
1: Dude. I mean, you know, Firefly, that, that festival I played, that festival I played was through Zach emailing the info at Firefly music festival. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) I swear to God, it was, um, I was in Florence at the time I was abroad and Zach, he like found the email for something. It was literally like an info email. And I remember he was like, should I try to email them? And I was like, Sure, like, I don't care. Like, it's probably not going to go anywhere, but, like, do it. <laughs> and he emails them. And then I remember he was like, dude, like, I'm talking to someone at Firefly right now to book
0: you. That's so and cool.
1: I was like, holy crap. Like, okay. And then when we, I got the contract, whatever. Like, we signed it, and I was an artist.
0: That's so cool, man. And the same thing with your manager. He really is just, just trying stuff. You don't know, but you just try stuff, and sometimes it works. The way the way we started
1: working together was literally, yeah, we were both in we were both in the same fraternity in college, and then he was majoring in music, like business or something like that. And you know, I was, I mean, I was majoring in architecture, but I was producing all the time. And he was like, dude, like send me your stuff, like I'll give you feedback, like what I think. And I was like, okay. Sent him over like everything I made, and he was like, Would you, would you want me to like work with you on this stuff? If we could like try to do something? And I was like. I was like yeah like I don't I don't care at that time dude I was like I was literally sending out emails to all these blog writers like this was before TikTok this was before yeah you know, maybe TikTok was invented but it wasn't a thing Instagram reels wasn't a thing like it was like 2017 2016 and I was on hype machine which was like an old blog thing where like all these artists were curate playlists and I would just email every single person I was able to find. I would creepily stalk them as much as possible to see like what they wrote or like who they are to kind of make like, a personal connection to them. And it was like the worst thing in the world because I would maybe get one response for every 500 emails I would send. And there was uh,
0: it took a long time.
1: It took a really long time.
0: Yeah, persistence, consistency.
1: Yeah, honestly, that's, like, the biggest thing. I mean, looking back on it, it, was a lot of consistency. And, you know, just continuously hitting people up. And, you know, the problem with me now is, like, the consistency really isn't there. Like, I'll put a song out and then I'll wait a while because life gets in the way. Life. And then I'll put in another song. And that's not consistent, but, you know, to my first point, I was like, I'm doing it for fun and for the love of it. So.
0: Yeah, man. What does the future look like for... For you and your music, you, I know you said you have some songs you're potentially going to release.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have I have a bunch of songs that are pretty much all finished up with, you know, with me singing on them, and they're kind of just nearing like the last stage of kind of the mix and master and like the stuff. I honestly, you really don't like doing like the artwork and the the whole other side of the music, um, that I don't really care for. <laughs> um, so. It's in that stage, and then once I find the time to release it, or like put in some time to market it and and whatnot, the new songs will come out. And uh, and yeah, and just want to just continue like making and you know see what comes about and until it stops being fun.
0: Yeah, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna keep on doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So TBD. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, I figure. Next song will definitely come out either before, before January, like sometime December, or maybe early January if the next song comes up. Um, I just want to have a little bit of a backlog, honestly. So those times I do go quiet, I could just have them ready to go and just be like, all right, release, next one, relax, next one. So Smart.
0: Probably yeah, man. Like that. You do obviously have a lot of music out already. Where can people find that, and where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, all music's really Spotify, Apple Music, um, you SoundCloud, know, SoundCloud. Uh, I mean, yeah, all like my remixes and all like my OG stuff will be on my SoundCloud. Um, nothing. I don't think my new songs actually hit SoundCloud. I, I don't remember honestly where it went through when it distributed where it went through. Um, but yeah, all the OG, all the OG stuff you could hear on my SoundCloud, and you could like hear a history of it. So you go all the way down to the bottom, all the way down to the bottom.
0: Awesome. And then obviously Apple and Spotify, like you said, and then what are your, you have Instagram? Do you have a TikTok or anything?
1: Yeah, I got them all. I mean, I got, I got TikTok. I got Instagram. I have Twitter um, or X, whatever you call it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> huh. and I try to be active on them on socials. Um, I'm not a big social media type of guy, which is always a, not the Christian I got from Zach, but Zach is like, you got to, be more um, you know you got you gotta do more on these things um, so i am a little quiet on them but i I do pop in every here and there. And it's the same at for all of them? Yeah all music. Or actually my TikTok maybe I am Adam Gotti. I don't remember. But
0: research about Adam he will come up. Perfect man. Well thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot and I'm sure anyone else listening has too. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Let's you it. And if, uh, if you ever have any questions about
1: production, you mentioned earlier that you're into it. I always feel free to hit me up. And uh,
0: anyone else, DM yes. me. You
1: never know where I going to thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Just search What We Started EDM. If you would like to reach out to us, shoot us a DM on Instagram. It's at whatwestarted.edm. Thanks again. Catch you next time.